Hey guys, Roy here, and you are listening to the Balance Mail podcast series. Now today's episode will be a dad talk. Today I will be interviewing a dad by the name of Joshua Webster. Now, Joshua Webster is the husband and partner of Candace. He has two kids, Van and Margot. He has been a longtime professional courier, 22 years to be exact, for a very large logistics company. He's also been playing with his band, Arms Bazaar, for the past seven years, which, oddly enough, has turned into a band of dads. Now, today we will discuss all of that while sharing some delicious stouts. Hope you guys enjoy. We just hit record, just start. Yeah, or not edit later, and then just let it run. All right. You can do that. So, guys, we got... Josh jo- or Joshua? How, how do you want me to say it? Um, either way. Joshua either Webster. way. All right. Yeah, Joshua Webster here. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me. I yeah. appreciate it. This is cool. Yeah. Um, as I like to start out, we are sharing a delicious beverage. And uh, you want to tell us what we got here? It's the Yeti Imperial Stout. Oh, yeah. Brewed and canned by Great Divide Brewing Company, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Now, the second dad I had on wanted a stout as well, but it was at 9 o'clock in the morning, hmm. so it was pretty funny. But uh, Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. I that's that part. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I chose this one. This is probably one of my favorite stouts. Okay. Super balanced. So, so far, so good. I'm yeah. Happy. All right. So, Josh, you're a dad. I am. And uh, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Um. How many kids do you have? I have two kids. Okay. Two um, 13-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. She'll be four this weekend, 29th. So cool. She's going right on four. I keep telling her she's four, and she's like, no, I'm still three. (laughs) And once you said 13? 13. My son's 13. Middle school years. Uh, Yeah. Full full on. He's heading into eighth grade. Oh, man. He's coming there. Hand, the eighth grader on my hands. Jeez. Yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> middle school, I, I, I can't think of many good times I had in middle school. It's the weirdest time as a person and like middle growing school up. Wasn't, middle school was transitional for me because uh-huh. like I hopped around from a lot of like from homeschooling to Christian schools, a um, little bit of public school, and then back into another Christian school. So it was like all these different schools but ended up in eighth grade at one school and i'd rather not talk about it we um, don't, we don't <laughs> need to but i did there was stability and friendship mm-hmm. you know um eighth grade was actually kind of good for me because i got those those things mm-hmm. out of uh this school change nice you know so it it i don't know he's a little little stressed about it but i don't know i, I feel like Eighth grade was cool for me. It sucked for you? No? Yes? (laughs) I mean, I always think about middle school as like, you know, that's when the hormones start firing. Mm -hmm. Stuff starts growing in places you're not used to it Mm -hmm. growing. All that's happening at home (laughs) right now. (laughs) But I just, I never handled that change gracefully. It was just a bunch of awkward, like, I felt like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo walking around, bumping into things. Well, you know. I mean, yeah, I was awkward i'm still awkward so it's yeah i'm sure that maybe i'm just so used to it now that i don't even look back at eighth grade or that that transit especially like switching into high school 
you know, that's that's even scarier because at least seventh, sixth, sixth and seventh grade, you've had that adjustment period if you're yeah. staying in the same school. Like, uh-huh. I think my son kind of feels um, a, a little more, he's a little more worried, I guess, about the, like, the leadership side of mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, as for, like, being comfortable with the people he's with, like, he's he loves the school. He goes to Independence Middle School. He loves it. You know, that's the school he wants to, he doesn't want us to move. Cool. So that he can stay at Independence and then go to Prince Sam High School. And okay. for some reason, we just... <laughs> Well, keep, keep letting our kids call shots. That's good. <laughs> New parenting guide. Let the kids call the shots by Joshua Webster. <laughs> well, good for him, man. What high school? So what high school? Um, he'll you go to Princeton. Center. Okay, cool. Right on. All right. So, um, what was your kid's birth story like, if you can remember? Um, I. Remember the the one thing between Van and Margot that I absolutely remember. They were born in June and born in July, and it was hot. Mm-hmm. It was hot, hot, hot. I just I will not forget how hot it was. Yeah. Um, Van's story. Um, of course, it was our first child because he's our oldest. Um, it was. Um, it wasn't as a a a first time experience it was kind of stressful it was it was daunting it was and i wasn't even the one having the child obviously mm-hmm. but other than that like it was kind of it really the biggest like the experience side for me um it was cool i loved it mm-hmm. i loved every second of it i wasn't afraid of it i've I've heard stories of men fainting during childbirth, and it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I just, I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was cool. Um, My wife went in uh, for inducement, Mm -hmm. and I remember them sending us home, um, and hours later heading back to the hospital because she was just like, this has to be happening. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way this isn't happening. Um, and we got there, and they're like, well, you're, it's happening enough to where we'll go ahead and put you in a room. Mm-hmm. And got in the room, and she was in labor for, like, 15 hours. Jeez. Yeah, it was a long time. Um, it was June 17th, which was the Saturday before Father's Day. So I actually was able to celebrate Father's Day the next day, right after he was born. It was pretty cool. Your kid's birthday yeah. is the 17th? Yeah. Mine's the 17th. On, is it? Okay, yeah. that's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was Kendrick Lamar. Really? Um, it was some, who else is it? I know Kendrick Lamar on June 17th. I know, Van knows that too, because that's like, yes. it's like me and Kendrick Lamar. I'll tell him Roy has the same birthday. Yes. Be like, he does a podcast. All right. <laughs> I'm down with this. Me, me, K-Dot, and Roy, yeah. we got this. But, uh, it was 15 hours of um, of working on having that baby. Mm-hmm. Um, the only like kind of snag we ran into, or, or actually that was a really bad choice of words, his umbilical cord was around his his neck, so mm-hmm. that was a bit scary. They adjusted, you know, birthing positions and all of that stuff, and everything worked out. It was good. I didn't get to. Um, cut the cord though because the doctor came in and was just like let me just 
you know, I'm going to handle this and we're going to make everything to we to where we know the child is safe. Yeah. And um yeah, that was that was him. Margo Margo was different. That's a little a little closer uh and time proximity because she's only she's going on 4 now, but she was j- born on a July 29th mm-hmm. and it was a Wednesday and it was hot. <laughs> hot. We went in doctor checked up with Candace um, said things were moving along good mm-hmm. so they sent us home when you think it's time then it's time come back and so we stopped at the county grill at the farmers market mm-hmm. I, I probably had a meatloaf sandwich but I don't know I don't know what we <laughs> ate but we um, went home we took a nap and kind of got up and and realize, wait a minute, like we're gonna be in the hospital for a few days, and Van's not gonna be here the whole time. So you know, we need to like we need to do some grocery shopping so that we know we have mm-hmm. food to come home to and all of that stuff. So we got up from our afternoon nap, which are the best. They are the, the oh late the late afternoon naps mm-hmm. that allow you to stay up late. Those mm-hmm. naps, those are the best naps. Um, went to Kroger, grocery shopping. Her water broke at the register just oh. as we were like checking out so it was like this is this oh my gosh this yeah. is that yeah and um <laughs> of course everybody at kroger loved it um so we we <laughs> left uh left kroger and went and had to put all the groceries away and then headed to the hospital and she was in labor for like five hours wow Margo was born pretty smooth especially compared to uh 15 hours previously yeah. a previous child so yeah, pretty smooth, pretty good. I love how you guys made sure that you paid for the groceries, and then not only did that, took them home and then put them away. Well, we had to put them away. <laughs> <laughs> if I could have gotten out of there without paying for them, I would have. But no, we had to put them away. Uh, you don't want that that milk to spoil. Well, I mean, like <laughs> you like you finished your transaction I, I think, and then you went home like that's I what think i'm saying at that point candace there was almost a bit of um maybe a bit of relief so it actually okay. kind of went smooth mm-hmm. that transition from and it's okay. funny yeah it's, you know, pretty it's funny. funny we both knew it was funny because uh, you know candace's first thing was yeah. of course my water breaks here this yeah. is where it happens so you know but yeah i gotta can't let that beer get cold and that milk I mean, spoil and all that good stuff, right? I'm definitely the type of person I probably would have just lost my mind, and then we I would have just left it there and t- yeah. taken her. But uh, it's um, there's there's room for for panic mode in that yeah, scenario. That's totally. for sure. And maybe we were <laughs> panicking. Maybe I'm remembering it from from yeah. a, a a fond yeah. memory. Maybe we were panicking. I don't know, man. It's <laughs> well, I know I would have. I'm the panicker in the relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's, so that's yeah. kind of where I sit. At least, like, on the anxiety side of it. I don't know if I'm necessarily in full panic, but I am mm-hmm. the anxious one. I'm convinced that the kids are, like, letting the dog out the front door on purpose sometimes. <laughs> you know, because the only person that can chase the dog down when, when the dog goes down the street is it's me. You. you know, yeah. she won't listen to them. She'll just keep going. But, um, I, yeah, I'm probably the panicker and the definitely the anxiety one. That's... And I thought I thought I wouldn't be because I mean I'm a teacher I handle kids all day I've dealt with all sorts of stuff, you know you have a kid come up to you that has scissors in his hand, you know you kind of can't panic in that scenario, like scissors like stuck stuck in his hand. Yeah, but when it's your yep. kid, mm-hmm. um, 
also know their potential that like my son at four years old with a pair of scissors in his hand would be hey dude like here let me get those from you you know you gotta be careful but my daughter she's the wild one Mm -hmm. so she's the one that like will like jump off the couch with the scissors and be like hey look what I found you know Uh that type of thing but we don't leave scissors out that's good yeah Yeah. smart she finds them uh, (laughs) in the hiding places but Kids are way smarter than we ever think. I, they are. They they're absolutely and and we'll I'm sure we'll get into all of that oh, stuff yeah. too uh-huh. because it's I think that's one of the the craziest things about the the kids that we have is mm-hmm. like oh my gosh that's me yeah you know that's so it's like you're seeing yourself in them it's yeah. crazy yeah and I and I and I, there there are times where like I kind of see. Um, obviously see Candace. I see mm-hmm. my wife and, and my daughter and in my son. I see that. I see my son, you know, see myself and my son and daughter. But, you know, I, I think sometimes you can kind of like see some other traits from other family members mm-hmm. too um, that have probably been passed down to us as well, but they may reveal themselves as your mother-in-law this mm-hmm. time Ooh. or, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's 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 the fun stuff. Yeah, we, you know, I'm looking forward to finding those things out. You know, I, you know, he's my son's three weeks old, and so he he basically cries. Uh, Carly says we're like uh, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. We're just repeating the same day mm-hmm. over and over. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. So, um, but the routines. Yeah, the routines. But uh, yeah, so can't wait to see like his traits. Or my traits come through him or Carly's, you know. So it'll be exciting. But um, so of the birth stories, like, what, was there one thing that was the hardest or the scariest for you? Thing for you? Definitely the um, the umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, when you're, especially your first child. Candace was 21. I was 26, mm-hmm. 27, maybe. Um, and it's your first kid it's your first child um everything seems so uh fragile anyways so when they they come to you know when that it's just to see the doctor i our birthing experiences and it shouts to the nurses Mm -hmm. shout out to the nurses no offense doc but it seems like the nurses do a lot. Now, I've only had two kids, and I can only speak to that experience. And I, again, it's not to downplay what the doctor's role is and who the doctor is, but shout out to the nurses mm-hmm. because that's one thing I do remember is the nurses working hard. And the nurses being, I mean, it was the nurse that, that grabbed me and said, Dad, get over here and grab a leg. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, I think you kind of have this. representation uh, whatever through movies and you know the stuff we've seen where the doctor comes in to mm-hmm. save the day and I guess kind of to an extent with Van and the umbilical cord the doctor did quote unquote come in to save the day but I actually would have been just fine like knowing that the nurses were on point too so you know mm-hmm. but um yeah yeah well man yeah shout out to the nurses <laughs> you know um, 
do you remember your birth story or did your parents talk I, much about I it? I did. I reviewed that with my mom a bit um, because it was – I just always remember um, I was a big baby. I was nine pounds when I was born. Ooh. So that's – yeah. That's Shout out deal. to your mom. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I was nine pounds. She said bald as bald could be. Um, yeah. Not much has changed. No not much has changed. Exactly. Um she said it was snowing. I was oh. born in January, January 16th, 1979. Uh, she said it was a snowy day. Um, um, what was it? She had pointed, obviously pointed out the weight thing, but it was... Um, okay, so this is the, the, the fun part of it, the numbers. Um, I was firstborn son, mm-hmm. second of 10 kids. Jeez. So yeah, that's that was like one of the specific points. She was like, "Just remember, you were the second of ten kids." You know, cause my mom's very proud of that, and she should be. Jeez. Yeah, um, ten children. Ten children. Yeah, those were those were her two points back mm-hmm. to me. Was firstborn son, and second of ten kids. Man, so seven girls and three boys. So wow, all same parents. Wow. No, we're not Catholic. Yeah, that was my first. I was going to yeah. say that or Mormon. No, neither. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, the only thing that I can remember from mine is that it was hard. That my mom always says, um, I went on, she went in on Monday, I popped out on Wednesday. Mm. And then my dad. Now, is that a literal? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So she was in labor for that long. Um, Son of a gun. I'm a, I'm a oh. pre, I'm a procrastinator and a lazy person, and I think it started with my birth. <laughs> but my dad always talks about watching Saint Elsewhere, uh, and um, that of course shows, I've never seen the movie. Well, it's a TV show based okay, in the '80s. It was it was like a doctor or like a like a general hospital so he thing. Yeah, he was binge watching in the hospital. However, what what year were you born? Eighty one. Eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. So uh, binge watching in the '80s was hard. It was hard. And Much see, than we're going to have to talk about this for a second because kids have no idea. The struggle. The struggle, like the struggle is were. real. Yeah. yeah. And we have no idea. Well, I say we have no idea. I feel like I'm trying. Yeah. But we have no idea either. Like yeah. their struggle. Because uh-huh. it is, it is, and we totally sound like old men now. Uh-huh. I'm 40. Obviously, you're coming up on yeah. 40. Round in the bend. But round in the bend, and it is some old man stuff that I catch myself saying now. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to fend it off. I'm trying to keep it from happening. Brace it, bro. But, um, I mean, I'm listening to Cardi, or not Cardi B, uh, Playboy Cardi. Yeah, I mean, I'll listen to Cardi B, too. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. um, but you know, I'm, I'm keeping up with it. I thought I was on it because I was a Kanye fan, but no. I am, I'm, Kids don't even care about Kanye anymore. So nope. it's the kids that cared about Kanye that the kids care about now. If you know what I'm saying, I think I think the, the okay. musically yeah. the I kids get you. Yeah. are influenced by these artists. Um, hip hop in particular, hip hop's huge, and uh, like with with modern American kids right now, it's always been huge. It's yeah. you know for me at least in my life, it's always been a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't get my kid to listen to a punk record if, like, like if my life depended on it. He, yeah. I, I send him Spotify playlists and music, and he's just like, whatever, he's, Dad. He's just like, oh, but what about the new J. Cole, Dad? 
which is fine. I you know, love it's J. Cole's Cole. awesome. J. Cole is awesome. Yeah, I love Kendrick Lamar, you know, and as long as my kid can separate the stories and the the uh, reality of what's actually being said, especially mm-hmm. from those two artists oh, yeah. in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't knock the art of of other kids that are or I say kids, those guys are going into, you know, 28, 29 years old, but mm-hmm. they're kids to us, I guess. But I don't knock the the music that isn't conscious, Yeah, should I yeah. say that. I, I just don't, I may not love what's being said, mm-hmm. um, but a Future, like Future is one of my favorite hip-hop artists. I love Future, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing, like, very conscious about, what's being talked about in a future song. So that's kind of the, the separation. I try and help him understand. Mm-hmm. And I think he does. He's a smart kid. Um, um, I try and help him understand that there's a major difference, like, um, when we're talking about reality and art. Oh, yeah. You know, and don't mistake what is art and what is truly reality. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot, a lot of artists because of their reality don't have anything conscious to say because it's yeah. not there for them it's not their reality number one so that, that's a really cool point i'm really glad you said that i just i i don't there's always the um, we're really digressing here but there's no, no, always the it. i like this the the right now all oh, the old school rap I, I only listen to old school rap wu-tang is badass yeah. there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. wu-tang is amazing I've gone back into MF Doom's collection mm-hmm. and have been like listening to nothing but MF Doom, uh, listening to these Czarface records, which is what old school rap. Okay? Yeah, it's got the vibe, it's got the thing. Run the Jewels, stuff like that. Run the Jewels has kind of done a really good job of crossing over between the old hip hop and into <sighs> newer. Their their LPs always mm-hmm. push the envelope. I'm a huge fan of El Producto. That's He's, he's my favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've always pushed that envelope. But back to what I was like saying with the new music, like Van looked at me and said, well, Dad, it's not, it's not mumble rap. You know, it's musical rap. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between, like, and this is him telling me, there's a difference between a guy spitting bars yeah. and a guy who is going in and experimenting with all of this hip-hop that his father listened to or mm-hmm. that his grandfather yeah. Hip hop's been around a long time mm-hmm. and it's evolved, and so that's kind of the the scope I look at. Some of it I just I don't love, but then some of it I just I, the new J Cole mixtape it's wonderful and it's a bunch of kids I've never listened to. Yeah, you know JID I know him, but mm-hmm. you know there are people on there that I don't know, and it's you know I I like to hear music get pushed. I like old music, but I love new music, and mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the kids aren't listening. What we were talking about is how the kids aren't listening to the old stuff. Though. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a thing where, like, people don't – it's not a respect your elders, but the kids don't care where it came from. That's what I'm noticing. There's people out here, they don't, they don't care that, like, this sounds like this because of this and because of – that sound like that because of this. And, like, there's, there's a – I found that some kids, you know, there's a lack of that. You know, there's a reason that Eminem was able to do what he did because of, you know, Beastie Boys and mm-hmm. other things. And it's not, I'm not mad at it. Well, I, I think, I think M was also extremely talented too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know that 
you could have kept that that talent um, from emerging in some way, shape, or form. Maybe no, I'm wrong. Uh-huh. You know, he he had he did not have a leg up, yeah. even with his white privilege. He didn't. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, he it didn't. is what it is. Yeah. You know? um, even with that, you know, at least taking away that veil of racism mm-hmm. against the color of his skin, he still didn't have a leg up. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe outside of hip hop and actually being able to put words into form on a beat like that, maybe there wasn't another path. I don't yeah. know. You know his last record? He let it's he, garbage. It's all garbage. He put it out <laughs> at midnight, and it was number one. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, he put that out because he was mad. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'd say like it's he's garbage. been mad his whole his whole career. Right. I say it's garbage, <laughs> but the honest truth is how much like of his new content have I listened to? Not much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of respect for an artist like that, but not a. I, I was never a big fan of Eminem yeah. myself. I don't think I had. From what I didn't like Vanilla Ice either when I was yeah. a kid. I thought he was whack. I only liked his uh, Ninja Turtle when he was on the Ninja Turtle movie. That's the only time I liked Vanilla Ice. Okay. I'll accept Cause, that. Because you had like the turtles break dancing. Well, he did have the turtles around him. And Ninja so Turtles make was it much cooler. Ninja Turtles was like my childhood. So, but that's a know. huge break if you think about it. Like oh, for yeah. any any artist to have gotten on a mm-hmm. on a movie like Ninja Turtles, that would have been that would have been huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge. Of course, um, he had probably already broke a single at that point. Anyway, he did. Yeah, he totally broke yeah. a single. You know, he still raps. He's on. Um, mm. Funny story. He's on the um, Insane Clown Posse's record label. Yeah. Which um, yeah. worst six months of my Psycho life? Psychopathic records. Yeah. yeah. Wait worst. a minute. Worst six months of your life? Did you have to live with these guys? No, or something, I. Or? Uh, my buddy in high school, 1999, and it was right when they were getting really big in Saint Clown Posse, and um, my friend comes up to me and he's just like, "Hey, are you down with the clown?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I don't know what that means." He goes, "Hold on." He put in. Um, it was a great Malenko record, and. Um, I was hooked. I was like, this stuff is wild. And then, we, you know, you see pictures and these guys rapping from Detroit dressed mm-hmm. like clowns. And I, I went head first into Insane Clown Posse for about six or seven okay. months. Number one. Yeah. You, um, that's good. That yeah. It was only six months. <laughs> only- no, I mean, but again, it's like uh, from a musician's like point of view, it like, I just, I look at it and i I remember that one song that 96X played all the time, Who's Going Chicken Hunting. Yeah. I don't remember the lyrics. Who's Going Chicken Hunting. Yeah. That's and, it. <laughs> but it was Bloodhound Gang yep. doing uh-huh. their stuff. Like that era of 96X is the only like actual exposure outside of watching some YouTube videos um, about like the family get togethers. Yeah. Um, it's intriguing, number one. And I, it's like even like down to that, it's like how much can you really hate on insane clown posse to begin with like how much can you really like like be that mad at two millionaires <laughs> who self-made millionaires self-made millionaires, millionaires. Yeah. yeah like how like i can't really be that mad at them they they exposed the music scene at a time i mean i'm sure they used the internet but i promise you those dudes were early to the internet game yeah. Whereas everybody else is trying to catch up now yeah. and and make it on the internet, you yeah. know, uh, or or get exposure to the yeah. internet. We're we're kind of forced to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's no way around it right now. Outside of jumping in a van and going and touring mm-hmm. and starving, um, 
but which I think is the best way to do it. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, I I love that idea, you know, but mm-hmm. it's like I don't know. Again, I can't be that mad. Yeah, Shaggy, Shaggy, too dope, and Violent too dope. J. Yeah, Violent J. Um, Violent Jizzy. I, I get it, man. I, I mean, I agree, but it was just, you know, there's their scene that they come in is what's was the thing that was like got me out of it, because I remember like you know there's times in your life when it's like you kind of can see your future. Mm-hmm. This has happened twice when I was a kid. It was the time I quit collecting comic books, mm-hmm. and it was the the last time I listened to Insane Clown Posse. And there was this dude wearing uh, he had Insane Clown Posse hockey jersey. And he had just, like, what's it called? Did a whip it? Is that That's when the, you suck the CO2 out yeah, of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did that, fell on his face, and he just was like, whoop, whoop. And he said that. And I saw myself in that guy. <laughs> I was like, I pictured it, and I was like, there, this is my future if I continue this. And I was like, you know what? I mean, art is art, you know? Sure. That's what it is. And I was like, nope, but not sure, for me anymore. But this... Yeah. And you're probably right. That yeah, probably was was your destiny. You, I know you made a good choice there. That, I think I you think should I look did. at that as being one of the yeah. best decisions you ever made. <laughs> I I'm not as embarrassed about the insane clown posse as how how much I love Limp Biscuit. Okay. In like '99 to 2000, like okay. that's the one that's just like man. Again, I it was it I was hard. It, I don't. I don't. Know. They were everywhere. It was Limp Bizkit, Corn. They were well, everywhere for Lindy, years. Again, my path could have very, very well been the same. Yeah. Now, I I did have one thing, and I absolutely credit this point in time in my life for saving me. Musically, I went and saw a band called Starflyer Fifty Nine. Oh play. yeah. Uh-huh. And they heard, played yeah. at this old Christian club that was down the beach called the Fire Escape. And from the moment I walked out of that place, I was hooked on guitar-driven music. Yeah, you know, I'd always listen to hip hop as a kid. I grew up in Norfolk. I had a lot of African American friends. Um, and even though, like my neighborhood, my neighborhood was a was a pretty mixed friend because I had Hispanic friends. I had. Mm-hmm. Many POC friends, plenty of white people, you know, plenty of white friends. But but we weren't like we weren't listening to rock music. Everyone was listening to hip hop. Everyone was listening to mm-hmm. the Ghetto Boys, and there was yeah. a lot of Vanilla Ice and a lot uh-huh. of that going on. But when I walked out of that club after seeing that band, not even knowing like what shoegaze music was, or not even knowing what punk really was. Um, it, it changed me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in sports anymore. All I was interested in was like being a part of this music thing that I just saw. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I'm sure that had it been a hip hop show, mm-hmm. um, it may have taken me more into that mm-hmm. arena of live music and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be a rock show. Yeah. And you know, of course. Years later, Weezer is huge with the records they're making. And so I kind of, like radio-wise, I got kind of saved from that. Like I was always, ah, Limp Biscuits whack. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to listen to that. No offense. Yeah, Again, no, yeah, no sure. offense. You, you've you come a long ways. I know that. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not you. holding it against you. Really. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, what was your uh, your your saving grace when it came to music that made you uh, pull from the well the so, depths of the Insane Clown Posse or Limp Biscuit or whatever? Like, who's who's that band for you? Well, music in my family was huge. Mm-hmm. My dad, um, my dad has his masters in, had his masters in music music education. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny. You're like you're sending your kids Spotify plays of punk music. My mm-hmm. dad was making us watch Sound of Music. Well, I and I, had, I had to do that too. My my parents were the same way. It's oh, all yeah. the musicals. We watched all the musicals. Yeah, and so um, I think there was this part of me that could tell good music versus basically crap mm-hmm. or not crap, but just like you can tell when something is well put together, when something is honest, and when something is real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The longer I listened to stuff like that, the less I saw it was real, the less I felt it was honest. And then that led me to other music. I remember the first time. Um, but real to you. Yeah, real to me. Because, sure. let's face mm-hmm. it, that era of music, it was real to a lot of people. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. You know, corn, you know, struck chords. It was chords, real to a Struck lot chords of, to yeah, a lot of people. Definitely. And, you know, you, there's people that save their lives yeah. you know which is i'd love to meet that person and talk mm-hmm, to them mm-hmm. um but so i listened to a lot of what my musical taste was was i, I followed the crowd a lot mm-hmm. which was that something that i hope to impart on my my son is to not do that right because right. um i got made fun of for listening to a lot of hip-hop mm-hmm. i got made fun of for like you know, I would listen to Run DMC, and the first, and the well, the first record I ever bought was Beastie Boys, okay. and I got made fun of That's because strange. rap music was was stupid to a lot of my friends, you know. And then, um, so I quit listening to that, and I hid that part of me. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really like let that be like I was like, well, fuck it, I love this stuff, right. so I'm gonna listen to it. But anyway, right. I digress. But it was Nirvana when I, when I when I heard Nirvana yeah. for the first time, when I heard Metallica for the first time. And hearing that power, and it felt authentic to me. Yeah. Then that was always there. And then I will say, um, I got my ass beat because of uh, Metallica. My, my my mom whipped my legs for <sighs> Satanic man. She broke my uh, my uh, Green Day Dookie oh, take. It I'm wasn't st- e- it wasn't even mine. I, it I wasn't even mine. I haven't been able to find. Um, was it? Not OK Computer. I don't think my mom would have stolen OK Computer. But um, I'm pretty sure she, she may have taken What was the record before OK Computer I'd uh, see, from Radiohead? Not it's not Pablo Car- Honey. I, I was never a huge Radiohead trying to remember. It, it may have been OK Computer. She may have stolen OK Computer from me and hit it. Because all I could ever find was the case. I was gone for like eight hours and came back. That yeah. sucks, my, my man. My mom was always on a on a crusade yeah. to keep the devil from entering my ears. We, uh, I think we had the same childhood. <laughs> Did Chris, you grow up religious? Did you grow up in a Christian super, home? Super, okay. super conservative Christian. Yeah. Like my dad and mom didn't drink, didn't do any drugs, Correct. even in Correct. college. Um, yeah. Our church was our life. Yes. We went Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. It controlled a lot of. Well, my don't forget about youth group. Oh, those, youth group. Those yep. were your additional days um, as well. We could not. Uh, the one thing that our church was different than most churches that I'm learning is that we listen to contemporary music and not Christian music. I grew okay. up thinking a lot of that 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 scene, the the Christian like punk, Christian rock, Christian stuff like right. that, was silly. What um, what denomination? It was non-denominational, it was but we were part of. Uh, 
we were part of a uh, it was basically a movement. Okay. It was called the International Churches of Christ, All and right. um, at the year two thousand, there was a church of ours in every major city in America, and every almost every country in the world. Wow. Yeah, we used to do this. Uh, See, that sounds like like what would have been the uh, I guess the 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 church that the churches I went to were like envious of. Yeah. Like that was mm-hmm. that y'all went to like a baller church. Like it yeah. was y'all were y'all were doing big things. Well, Pick we were out. we were on cult watch for one point. We had two ABC specials on us. Um, we didn't have to like wear I'm robes done, and man. drink. I got punch. nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. Like um, I mean, it, it, what I grew up in was definitely confusing and mm-hmm. and and a bit weird, um, and a bit cultish, but never made the news. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. If you go onto um, the internet, it's probably around Atlanta Church of Christ. There's there's probably you'll find some things. Uh, we had people that had hidden cameras in our church that services. were infiltrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Now and I would the only thing I'll say is it That's was never neat. it is That's pretty neat. neat. I mean That's we can dive story. into it a little bit because yeah. you know, but um, it was never like overtly like when you think cultish it wasn't like we didn't have to wear robes it wasn't like you know this it was just good intentions that turned into rules and then turned mm-hmm. into laws and then people used the Bible to control. Well, I think there was probably some money. Oh money my gosh, and, there's money so and much power money. involved in there. As a well, lot of money, which um, is where the the rules and regs uh, it was find themselves being promoted the most and i think for example like a couple of the rules um usually centered around dating mm-hmm. um you couldn't go on a single date you always had to go on a double no, date that's for sure um you uh did you um did you keep a bible between you and your date that <laughs> no. was one of that was called the six inch rule yeah the six and inch if you rule. could if oh. you could place your bible in between the two of you then you're good, man. We did no have sex a, tonight. We had a campus minister that had a purity pillow that he would, whenever he would watch a movie with his girlfriend, they would put the purity pillow between them so that the devil wouldn't get a foothold. Hmm. Um, I had to break up with a girl because she didn't go to my church, and somebody told me, "Well, you're choosing her, or you're choosing God." Right. You know. Right. Um, wow. We talked about. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we talked about. Because you know you get you know around dudes because because sex is a big talk but it was masturbation yeah and you would have to we kind of I feel like it was always uh, the least you talk about it um, the the closer to God uh, my experience but go ahead we I would have we story. would have we would have meeting or a meeting where you'd get with your your part your discipling partners mm-hmm. and you would confess if you masturbated that week. And then you would talk about what, yeah. And the the my favorite story to talk about with this is um we were having a, a men's meeting and it was in it was a campus ministry meeting, and this guy gets up, and he said, "Brothers, I just want to tell you that uh, you know I've been baptized for six weeks now and I have not masturbated since then," and everybody like cheered hmm. and there was a bunch of like, "Yeah, man, yeah, bro, you got this." And then I just hung my head and I was like, "Fuck." I was like, I did it before I came here. I've been here. baptized for years. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just being so pissed at that guy. Well, but, he was he was on fire, man. You yeah. know, it, was, it sounds like new to the game, at least. I did also and, have... And baptism. I did also have a guy tell me that masturbation is gay. Because you're pleasing... I'm surprised I haven't heard that either. I probably have heard that. Yeah. Maybe, and, you, just, maybe you just blocked it out. Um... <laughs> I, 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 
I think I've blocked out a lot, though. I, I definitely do believe that there's there there's a lot. I mean, it. I was just exposed to so many versions of Christianity yeah. from from uh, normal kind of Southern Baptist type churches, mm-hmm. and then we kind of swung into the uh, health, wealth, and prosperity movement that was going on. I. I I'm assuming early 80s. I was a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, early, mid, late 80s, whatever, uh, from what I can remember. like, And being part of, the, like, this church that was going to take over the world through missions and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff and ultimately crumbled in the Home Depot on Princess Anne Road is there now. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, and then going from that into, you know, uh, a solid many years i mean in my exposed life from eighth grade out of high school and into most of you know most of my early adulthood going to a church that was just it was a free will baptist church mm-hmm. which is i mean the the level of legalism and and rules and regulations the stuff that that i mean we played basketball in high school i played basketball and did not wear shorts on the basketball court we had to wear pants because mm-hmm. you couldn't show your inner thigh it was a wow. sad and then there's something in the bible about the inner thigh i you know i i do remember it being quoted to us mm-hmm. you know things like that so ours was just like kind of ending my church life was on a very conservative very very conservative church that was very much a bubble and was very much trying to stay out of the world and i mean i'll give them their efforts for trying to get the world to come to them mm-hmm. I, I will I, I think intention wise that church was the, the intention was always to see souls brought to christ sure um but they just had a funny way of doing things and of course ultimately that pastor you know he screwed it all up too yeah you know so it's i've seen a lot of men of god um quote unquote men of god uh, make some really poor decisions um not practicing what Mm -hmm. they preach yeah you know um my church was definitely a bubble too but um i was only exposed to my church because our church was the way Mm -hmm. our church was the one in their minds, the one thing that was right. Mm-hmm. I remember when when uh, you would want to. But that's give... not mutually exclusive, though, is it? I, <laughs> isn't that the way? Like every church, every church thinks seems they're... to feel that way. Well, yeah. there are people that you know. In every religion, I've found that some people are more open minded than that. But like we would, when we, you would get baptized, when you wanted to get baptized, you would do these studies, and one of the studies that we had to do was. You had to, it was called the um, denominational study. Mm-hmm. And we would go through every denomination of Christianity, mm-hmm. where it comes from in the Bible, and then why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember that was the first red flag I ever felt, but then, um, or that ever came up to me was like sitting here thinking, so everyone in the world is wrong except for us. There's right. got to be something. But um, I always found that a bit strange. That was a, that was a hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah. But it, we were definitely in a bubble. I just kind of felt like, no, that's the devil trying to tell me I'm, you know, mm-hmm. get in my head. Some, it was. But, uh, it yeah, was. it was. But, uh, like, with the ba- – you were saying basketball with pants. I used to hate going swimming at mm-hmm. church functions because the girls always had to wear, like, shirts and shorts. Well, we didn't even mix. You didn't even we mix? We didn't even mix. So at least Whoa. you got to mix bathe. 
we didn't even mix bathe. Yeah. Yes, it was called mixed bathing. We were not allowed to partake in mixed bathing. Um, yeah, because I, I always thought I'm not bathing. I just want to have fun. Let's just have fun. Yeah. Why, why are we? And you know when they were wearing the shirts and the shorts, I only the only thing that happened to me was I wanted to know more what more, was under. More and more and more. Most definitely. And, and I had to wear a shirt. And it was, it was listen, uncomfortable. listen, everyone out in podcast land, like, seriously, like, this isn't meant to, to, to get pervy. But it is the absolute truth. Yeah. It, it, when I was a kid, I was the same way. Yeah. Those, those culottes could be as long, that skirt could be as long as it could be. But all it did was was push me in that direction of thinking even deeper yeah. into these thoughts that you know I was told was mm. straight up sin and 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 lustful. And no one helped it, you through those thoughts. No one. No, no one, one helped, helped you through it. They no they preached their way through it. Yeah. They preached their way through it and they they kind of held you accountable. <laughs> yeah. uh, You'd have to, to talk about when you masturbated to it. We I, I will tell you I never <laughs> had that conversation. Thank God because. I would have, I wouldn't have been going to confession that night. That's for yeah. sure. I'd have, I'd have been sick a lot. I've, I've had. It was so, <laughs> it was the worst. It like sex in church was the. It was the. I felt so much pressure because, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't frontal hug. Mm-hmm. You side hugged mm-hmm. because if you frontal hugged, you're gonna, you're gonna feel something, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, before you know it, you and that girl are in the back room railing each other, and she's gonna be pregnant. And you're both going right. to hell. Right. Which and I, so there's that I am, pressure. I, as, as a grown-up adult now, as, as well as a married man, I think side hugs are good. I think that's a safe area to be in. Sure, um, sure. But the, the, it's always the explanation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the reason, like you yeah. said, why you should be doing side hugs. It's like, you, you know, you are kind of led to believe that you'll get a girl pregnant if you do yes. a front hug. Yes, And. And, and it's hard to hold hands when you've got a Bible in between you, Roy. <laughs> That's why we have the six-inch rule. Yeah, maybe I should have had that with Carly. I may have that with my my daughter. I, yeah. You never know. You know, and it's it's not that it's not that it's wrong. It's like you're saying. It's not that side hugs are wrong. If that's a safe place and that's safe for the people, then right. by all means, that. But I just grew up – I don't want – I just grew up fearing. Mm-hmm. those things same thing with like dating mm-hmm. i had to take the girls out at church it was our duty because if i didn't some dude was going to lure them into their van yeah you know and before you know it they're you know getting they're getting raped or they're getting some you know something like that because i didn't protect them yeah and that's something that i think was i just couldn't ne- I, I i just could never get over that it was just like this oh my god i like, wonder how many people think that we're like lying this is 100 percent true 100 percent true my my wife candace she just she didn't grow up in the church my wife didn't either she didn't grow up in that that world that life that outside of occasional you know uh trips to sunday school Mm -hmm. with a friend or something like that but like when i tell her like some of the the funny stuff from from back in the day she's just kind of baffled that these things were happening Mm -hmm. and and just like what yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, how was that Christ-like, Josh? I'm yeah. Like, well, she Carly was too. Carly's the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents were the exact opposite of that. Like her mom or dad, you know, talks about Reiki, mm-hmm. you know, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's really lost my train of thought. Was it? Yeah, people don't believe it, and I, you know, and then also people always wonder, how do you get out of it? 
because I left. I there was one point because because I also I you know I went to college in you know in this and then I transitioned into mentoring teens right and uh, all that stuff and then I just realized that I couldn't handle it anymore because I wasn't selling what I was buying right and I met Carly like six months after I left the church. And so people are always asking me, like, how am I so, how can I talk about it so clearly? How am I not, I don't know, off in some well, you, you, at this house point, in the you've woods? Been, you've been clarifying for a long time, and you, you obviously yeah. found a partner yeah. to help you clarify. And that, that helped with me. Mm-hmm. That, that was definitely, most definitely uh, my kind of break away from the church in general. Was, it's a little bit of a... a I'll say darker story only because mm-hmm. it's a major digression um, from our conversation. But my I was married young. Okay. Um, so your wife isn't your first wife. My wife is not my first wife. Mm-hmm. Um, my my current wife, Candace. Um, I was married young, uh, and she actually I had met her at church camp. Mm-hmm. You know that type of thing. Long distance relationship. Um, together around 19 20 years old getting married and at 25 she died from a brain tumor so it wow yeah it's like it that was kind of a a big catapult for me probably um maybe losing a little faith Mm -hmm. um or, or or losing my religion take i'll own that yeah um faith wise i I think my faith probably evolved um i don't know if it evolved in a sanctioned by the church way Mm -hmm. um but it certainly evolved uh a lot um so i don't know man death's a weird thing and it's when you're young and you see the 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 finality Mm -hmm. of death um, especially of your spouse, of the person that that um, you think you're in love with, and you think that because I mean, you're so our relationship started so young, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I I always question where our our relationship would have gone from there, and it's really only in retrospect because it doesn't make sense to after that relationship was done because of the situation that it was done under mm-hmm. um, to meet somebody yeah. like Candace and to be completely whole and at least like that part. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I won't say that I love one person more than the other. I know that there was, there was a, a, a strong love mm-hmm. that me and my first wife had, but I also know that I'm absolutely head over heels and in love with Candace and have been from the moment I met her, which mm-hmm. wasn't long after really? like my first wife passed away. So it's, it's kind of a, a struggle in my mind as to what makes sense and what was right and what was wrong. And kind of eventually looking back now, you know, 15 years later um, and realizing that uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter what anyone thought. Um, trust me, everyone thought. You know, everyone had had feelings about it. And there's a lot of reason why I kind of, um, I, 
I faded out of the church um, was because of this this thing and kind of having this whole like religious fluff piece being written constantly in front of you mm -hmm. from one person, whether your mother, your father, your pastor, your youth pastor, you know, the people around you. Oh, it's everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. It's in God's hands. We're gonna we're gonna just let God's will take over. And all in all, it was God's will for her to pass away at UVA, mm -hmm. you know, and with her, her family and my family all around her. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm muddying the waters here a little no, bit, but it's, um, so I kind of, I kind of jumped out of the church and I felt like I was um, expected to be uh, grateful for everything they did for me. And I was expected to uh, stick around just because of that scenario and that situation. And stick around because she died. Because stick around and see what else God had for me. In my oh life. yeah, gotcha. and, mm -hmm. and to clarify, I I do have a strong spiritual belief. I do have. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I, I always say this. I consider myself. A Christian by definition, but I do not consider myself a Christian by association in mm -hmm. any way, shape, or form. And that's just, it's personal to me. And we can theologically argue about it all we want, but it's its just me. That's thats what I'm doing, and mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't care either way. You don't have to believe, or, or, or you can, mm -hmm. you know, however you choose. But I, I don't know, man. I, I think that my kind of catapult out of the church um, going through this death, um, meeting Candace, having a child, um, produced a lot of um, very um, wokeness. Yeah, I woke. I got a lot of things. I woke up about. Um, a lot of things, but at the same time, a lot of things were ignored. Um, I didn't grieve. Um, I moved on, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I dealt with it um, the best I could. Yeah. And sadly, I was kind of alone in it um, because there just wasn't. Because I left the church that I was in, there was no follow-up from my family at that point because yeah. I think they felt offended by my lack of gratitude. Um, so me and Candace just kind of worked through it on our own. And, I mean, it's like even Candace has told me before, like, it's crazy that I was your solid at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, it's good. And, and it, it has made me realize what a wonderful person she is. Um, even though, you know, I took it for granted a lot, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, that, that kind of theme, that idea, uh, that story is still playing out to this day yeah. in my life, you know, to this day, you know, to, you know, mental health and, and realizing a lot, um, that I, I went through. And a lot that I didn't take care of, and nobody like was there to, you know, uh, somebody older, more mm -hmm. wise, wasn't there to. I had friends, mm -hmm. you know, but nobody older and wiser was there to recognize that I was 
probably losing my mind a little bit. Yeah. You know, making some bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I thought I was being free. Drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Uh, not grieving. Not not dealing with what was going on. And, and, you know, of course, again, a child comes into the picture. So, you know, the, the uh, post-birth stories begin. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. So, I... It, Again, not to digress from the church, but that was kind of that was my catapult out of the church mm-hmm. and kind of moving on from there. And again, I I feel like my faith changed and evolved to a place that was better, but there were other things physically and mentally that were going super downhill. Mm-hmm. And you know, regardless of my faith, God didn't swoop down and change those things. Mm-hmm. It, it took time for me to make some changes. Yeah, you know. First off, for you to be open like that with me and to like knowing that this is going to go out to people, I think is a very cool thing. So I thank you for that, um, sharing your story. Um, secondly, um, wives are very powerful mm-hmm. for us. I think you talked about Candace being your rock, and Carly was mine mm-hmm. because was so. You're saying that Candace was soon after you left. It wasn't long. Yeah. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it would have been, um, oh man, it would have been two years we were married with a child. And, yeah. you so know, that's, that's not long at all. And that was, yeah. no, it's, I mean, mm-hmm. is it, is it not? I don't know. I, I think, mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not one to judge when it, I mean, some people lose a spouse and they never get married again. Uh-huh. Um, I think when you're younger, it's a little bit different. I think yeah. when you've been married for 30, you know, yeah, yeah. Like even now, like if something, God forbid, was to happen to Candace, I don't know that I would ever get married mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah, but what I was trying to say is, is like, because my wife, she showed up soon, mm-hmm. and she was able to help me through it in a way that, like, she showed me that there were other ways. Right. And I think the one thing that I wish I would have had as my as my whole life was that there were other ways of thinking, other ways of believing, other ways of looking at the world, looking at God, looking at faith, looking at all of this because it was so restrictive. But mm-hmm. having that strong partner is, you know, is a lifesaver, you know. And well, you know, and you're on the other side of it. Yeah. Well, you know, for yeah. most of it, you know, yeah. and, and it, it's, it, it's a cool well, thing. Well, it's it is and 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 when you find yourself um you know, sadly looking in your mental mirror and, and realizing you've taken a lot for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've, I've had a lot of realizations just in the past few weeks and a lot of, you know, things working on mental, th- you know, mental health and getting some therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, that was, again, that's kind of back to something too, growing up mental health was, and I know that there is a cultural shift that has happened throughout the years 100 uh, it sounds like carly's parents were probably considered like like crazy hippies yeah most likely yeah more um, her dad more her dad right. yeah crazy and, hippies and but now probably mm-hmm. a lot of their thought process and the, the the daughter that they raised um it's it's a little more accepting these yeah. days it's not as strange um some people are still weird talking about therapy or talking about mental health, but you know I think they're again that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a normalization has happened, yeah. and and so that's kind of 
you know, I, I realizing how much I've taken a lot of that for granted mm-hmm. um, has been tough for me. Yeah. And that, I mean, literally, that woman is my rock. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And I'm happy that you've got a rock, too. I think yeah, that man. It's, it's so shout out to our wives yes, for being rocks. Most definitely. Um, you know, it's funny. I, this might be the, the same for you. But for me, like the idea growing up, the idea of mental health was praying in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you did Everything's that enough, under the blood. If you did that enough, yep. it'll get fixed. Everything's under the blood. We don't need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, this is between God. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless you step on the wrong toes, but in general, yeah. you know, family-wise, it was everything's under the blood, which, you know, you can wholeheartedly believe that, mm-hmm. that your sins and the, the things that you you may or may not have done are under the blood of God. That, that's fine. I, yeah. I'm not mad about it, but it didn't work for me yeah. and it didn't didn't make sense for me and yeah me neither i think you know getting therapy was a lifesaver mm-hmm. you know i've been in therapy for the last two and a half three years yeah. my wife and i go see somebody About not a that year we, and a half now yeah. we didn't feel like there, there yeah. wasn't like anything crazy wrong but we both were like there's patterns in our lives mm-hmm. That we and need that's someone exactly to talk what to. it was. Mm-hmm. It, it was the patterns. It wasn't, you know, I, I, Candace and I weren't on the brink of divorce. We were, you know, we were looking at some, some things that were happening with family members and that were going to directly affect our life. And we were just kind of like at a loss um, as to how to handle these things. And, mm-hmm. and, but once you start digging and, you know, it, I think you hold each other more accountable too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing that you, you have things you got to work on. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is one of the, one of the biggest things. I mean, it was my, my early, um, childhood. One of, one of the things you had asked me pre- in like previous, um, interview questions and stuff was what do you regret Mm -hmm. and it i regret that i worked so many hours Mm -hmm. Uh, i had to at this point in time in my career i don't have to but i regret having um uh, spent so much time working i regret the fact that i didn't get help um, and that I had nobody around me to like kind of get me there yeah. and spent so much time in my head um, mm-hmm. and drinking too much, you know, yeah. like, again, back to that, like drinking too much. It, it just was, I was young. I was depressed. I was a father. I was missing, uh, thinking that I was being like freeing myself and finally free from all of this stuff that had held me down. And maybe it's just part of the process. I just wish that I, wouldn't have taken Candace for granted that mm-hmm. day. And, and, and I wish that I had stepped in and been a, a, a better partner. And mm-hmm. just I, for that matter, um, adult male figure, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, uh, because the f- facts like our, uh, my father figure, my father was not, what a man you know needed candace's father figure her father was not what a father should be like you know we're we've we've got some real bum dads like in this world and and 
well, what do you do yeah. I mean, when you've when you've been raised by this this these people? Uh, you gotta get help. Mm-hmm. So I guess some people doesn't affect. I don't know, you know. And I didn't realize how much any of that stuff affected me. But mm-hmm. again, the normalization of therapy it, sh- it shouldn't be a scary thing. It should be something that people are a little more open minded about it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, awareness is the key. Yeah, and yeah, you're aware of it now. But you're you're saying about your dad. What was he like? Um, I mean, my dad was most definitely, most definitely a hard worker. He didn't leave my mom. He was, I mean, he, that man would work 15, 16, 17 hours a day. His, his father uh, mm-hmm. ran a service station, a gas station in mm-hmm. Virginia Beach here, and that's what he was doing as well. So it was him and his dad, and, you know, they were making the place run. He was an auto mechanic, essentially. Yeah. You know, he was the main mechanic, and, you know, um, and he was there all the time. He had 10 kids. So yeah. Yeah. he had to provide. Mm-hmm. But this is the catch. Um, the catch to me is, and this is my struggle, is there's a difference between being a father and there's a difference between being a present father. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're being present. Fact of the matter is, my dad never went to one of my games. My dad was never. And we've talked about this. We've 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 sat down and talked about these things. And he wasn't a nurturer. Yeah. He didn't nurture a relationship with me. And again, it's you know I I shouldn't be making excuses for anyone because that's I I should be holding holding my parents or uh, accountable. You know, my father accountable for my feelings. And it just is what it is. My mm-hmm. feelings, my feelings. So I'm I'm gonna stop making excuses now and and just kind of, you know, say what I need to say. And it and it is facts. You know, he was not interested. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what he was interested in. Um and, and I know this all seems silly. Um Maybe to some people, but I mean, I I never threw a baseball with my dad. Never came to any basketball game I ever played. He just went to work, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that there was a lot. Um, my dad was really into the Beatles. My dad was really into Edgar Allan Poe, um, but he was really into himself too. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, it's 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 a fine line because it, when you have ten kids, you got a lot. You got to got to do to put bread on the table so i i can't be but so angry and i have realized that i'm i'm angry at him mm-hmm. i realize as a 40 year old man that i'm angry at my father mm-hmm. you know my mom raised me my mom taught me everything my mom had me at the store mm-hmm. you know getting shoes so i could make sure i was at basketball practice on time my mom was at every single game my mom was was the shoulder that i cried on and, you know, and I know generational trauma, emotional, mental, physical, it's, it's generational, you know. Um, I don't know what your family is like, but both sides, my wife and I, both sides, it's just generations of abuse. Mm-hmm. Generations of abuse that just, you know, go back, you know, the aunts, the uncles, the, the cousins, the everyone. There's mm-hmm. some sort of abusive trauma that has happened in their lives. And so I, I know my dad dealt with a lot, 
but then it's like, well, why'd you have 10 kids? Yeah. You know, why, where, where, you know, where were you? Like mm-hmm. on these basketball games. Well, he, a lot of times he was taking care of the kids, Yeah. you know, so my mom could get a break. So there's all the circumstances. But to me, as a father, and in my life, if my circumstances don't provide for Candace and I to be in the same gym when Van has the basketball in his hands, then we're switching on and off. Yeah. Or we're just going to tough it out and we're going to take the youngest with us and deal with it. Of course, I have kind of found a, a back door to that. I just coach the basketball team. Well, yeah, there you go. So yeah. I have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> even with the baseball games, Van plays baseball. I am not I'm not skilled enough in the coaching of a baseball team. Um, so I let the, the men that know what they're doing do that. But it's, you know, there are some nights where I'm going to the game. There are some nights where my wife is going to the game. Uh, I just – I feel like he didn't care, and and I've told him this. I feel like he wasn't interested. Um, I feel like he was just as content to stay home and not be active in what was going on in my life. Um, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were around each other. It's not like we weren't around each other, but you know, the quality time and actually, um building the relationship like i can't say that i have a good relationship with my father mm-hmm. you know he doesn't call me even now you know he's never after post-death of my first wife when i tell you that i was alone i was alone no one was checking in on me mm-hmm. i don't know if it was taken offensively the way i what i dealt with afterwards my behavior was taken offensively but nobody checked in on me my dad didn't call in a check on me. My mom didn't call a check on me. And again, these are good people. Yeah. They just didn't think about it. Yeah. They figured if he must be all right. Hmm. You know. And it's even, you know, to this day, my entire adult life, you know, I I have not had you know, a strong relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. But yet when when we're in the same room together, um even, you know, our therapeutic conversation we sat in the kitchen and talked for three hours and just talked, talked, and talked, which is what boggles my mind and, and probably pushes me towards the idea of like trying to rekindle this relationship mm-hmm. with my father. Um, and it has overflowed into my relationship with my son. Mm-hmm. It is hard for me. I struggle with compassion, especially for my son. My daughter, of course, it's, you yeah. know, I crumble. Um, with my son, I have a hard time feeling sorry for him. I, and, and again, this is like kind of heavy stuff. And, and it's not, it's just some realizations that, that I, I, I want to nurture my son. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be there. I want him to cry on my shoulder. I, I want him to know who I am. I don't want it to be surface of my favorite artist, musician, or poet, or anything like that. I want him to know who I am. And sometimes I go a little overboard, I think. I probably cram cram it down his throat too much, being too involved, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm not, I'm 20 years from now, I'm, I swear to you, I will not regret it at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's the, the, 
the father. I mean, we are talking about fatherhood, and and it and it has been one of the things that you know to realize that you lacked nurturing from your father, and at forty, you know, 38, 39, 40, whatever my my, my age is forty now, I'm forty years old, realizing how much you really needed it, yeah, and how much you still want it, mm-hmm. like it's. I don't want my kid at 40 years old coming to me and saying, but dad, where were you? Yeah. You know, I know you were always around, but you know, how come we don't have a relationship right now? And so it's, I don't know the things that I, I will take from my, my dad that will go into my role as a father. Most definitely is music. Most definitely is, um, I, I like art. I, I, I do. I, um, so those attributes, and I, and I do consider myself a hard worker. Um, I've, I've got the busted hip and horrible knees to prove it. Yeah. But, um, so those things, yes, I, uh, from my father, there, there is the, that is the stuff that, that, that I learned from him. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no shortage of that. I learned how to be a hard worker. So, and, you know, from there. You know, maybe I'll learn some things from him in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, in time to uh, give it back to my own kid. You know. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, lost my train of thought. Um, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, so I want to come back to the idea of Christianity, mm-hmm. how much of that, like, how do you, how much do you want to impart that on your kids? I don't really, honestly, yeah. I, I think that, I think that there is a, um, desire to, um, impart an open mindedness about it mm-hmm. and to not, um, like my my son Van Van has told me he considers himself an agnostic. Um, at thirteen, at he 13. considers himself yes. an agnostic. At thirteen, he considers wow. himself an agnostic, <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. Um, it's certainly like I would not be happy to walk in and hear uh, him bashing the name of Jesus or you yeah, know yeah yeah being, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like that type of stuff. I'd just be like, dude, no. But that goes for anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I look at it as you know, I have friends who are uh, very much Christians. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are very um, uh, involved in their church. I have family who are very involved in their mm-hmm. church and involved in Christianity. And to me, you know, knowing that those people are good people and you know that that's what they believe, it's fine. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not afraid my daughter goes to a Christian school. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's nothing like that. It's not like I, I hide them from anything, but it's certainly, it's not really a, a, a part of our lives. My son knows that I consider myself a Christian. He knows mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, and if he has that, any questions, I always answer them according to, like, I will give him kind of like the scriptural Christian side of whatever that thing mm-hmm. may be. Um, like we were talking about the virgin birth yeah. of Mary, and mm-hmm. he was just like, huh? 
Can you explain that one to me, yeah. Dad? I've never, he said, I've never heard of this. What in the world are you talking, like, what yeah. are they talking about? So, you know, I'll break it down, and then I'll give him the my honest opinion. Yeah. And, which doesn't always jive with what I was taught the Bible said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And what I've read yeah. in the Bible as well. I mean, I've read those things, too. I like that idea of open-mindedness, because it's, it's things that I think about constantly, you know. Because, you know, I, I do think that I have a belief in the existence mm-hmm. of something that is bigger than us. Yeah. It's hard to look around the world and think that it was just a giant things that yeah, it just happened it to get together. It is very hard. It's very hard. It could mm-hmm. be some of our conditioning. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like there's almost like I almost envy people who can flat out say, oh, no, I don't believe in any of that. Yeah. Like, there's part of me that envy, uh, is yeah. envious of that. But mm-hmm. but I agree with you. It's mm-hmm. It's really hard to, like kind of ignore those things it just there's there's a part of there's a part of this existence that we go through that can't be explained mm-hmm. and that's okay that it can't be explained i think the hardest part growing up was you had to explain it yeah and for me i'm okay that i don't have to i i am absolutely yeah. I'm on board with that i agree with you i i mm-hmm. do not feel like i have to explain mm-hmm. it you're right and yeah. it's that is that's a spiritual freedom right mm-hmm. there you know i believe that's mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah. Like that evolution of, of spirituality yeah. that I talked about. Yeah. It, that is kind of my interpretation of it too. It's mm-hmm. like just actually kind of being free from all of the, the bondage part of, yeah. of just these chains that are holding you down in this religion mm-hmm. and not allowing you. I could be totally wrong. Who cares? If, but who cares? Who cares? If I the end of the die day. and mm-hmm. nothing happens, then whatever. You know, and yeah. glory be if I <laughs> die and wake up at the gates. I mean, uh, my belief on heaven is it's going to be what I want. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm pretty excited about I'll it. Be so okay. I'm keeping yeah. my fingers crossed and yeah. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping that my interpretation of heaven is, mm-hmm. is I'm just trying to convince my wife that her interpretation of heaven is mine so we can be in the same heaven together if it comes down we're to gonna, it. We're so. going to go down a rabbit hole real quick mm. if we're not careful. That's I figured sure. out what I was going to say. So you were talking about your father. Um, uh-huh. Sorry to interrupt. But, no, you're um, good, man. What? I notice about everything that you were saying, which is very powerful, that you have this. It's an awareness. You have an awareness of what you come from and what you want, mm-hmm. and that is a powerful thing. And, and I, don't, I don't even know if I have as much awareness of what I want. I think I'm still kind of seeking there, mm-hmm. um, but I'm on a much better path mm-hmm. um, now than I have been in yeah, the past because good. it was real easy to say i don't give a fuck mm-hmm. yeah it was real easy to oh, just yeah. to just mm-hmm. say f it all i don't care anymore i don't care uh, about what people think of me mm-hmm. i don't care if there's a god or there isn't i'm just i don't care about politics i still don't care about politics mm-hmm. but i don't you know having that attitude of just not caring it's a slippery slope because then you 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 realize that there's a lot you need to care about Mm -hmm. back to fatherhood totally it's it's like it's all like as a dad now and this is what boggles my mind about Mm -hmm. the fatherhood thing and the bum dads it blows my mind what do you mean bum dads bum dads the dads that, that, that just don't care 
you know they don't care they're they're not we need to be raising kids that are going to change the world they may not they may our kids may not be the kids that change the world but we need to be raising nurturing men and women gay straight it doesn't matter to me i want my son to see how to treat a woman mm-hmm. you know i want my son to see how to treat strangers i want my son to see the world from a a place of empathy and and it's it, the the dawning on like 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 realizing that i was never nurtured by a male figure i was nurtured by my mom i mean i was a mama's boy my mom made up for it she did which is a good argument for single moms doing just fine raising kids um uh, which is too much to get into right now, but mm-hmm. from the fatherhood perspective, I don't get it. I don't yeah. understand why you can't care. I don't understand why you don't take care of your kids. I understand youth sometimes plays a lot into that. Um, but in in my youth, my young year, younger years as a father, I was not on point. I've matured a lot. I'm glad I've matured. Um, but it, I, it was never, I would, the idea of just, not caring and not putting forth the effort in raising a son that could possibly change the world blows my mind. So do you think that's your role as a dad? I do. I I do think, I I think the, and it, and it is, again, it's kind of like this whole, you know, realizing there were a lot of years where I was mad at my mom Mm -hmm. and mad at her because my mom was the straight shooter. My mom didn't take any crap from me. Yeah. My mom told me into this day, will tell me what she thinks and and does <laughs> yeah. not care yeah you know and, and a lot of that is her convictions which i'm cool with and you know a lot of it is just our you know whatever family stuff um but you know i think that my role as a father is and, and again roles is weird that's that's a weird thing because mm-hmm. i it, when it comes to actual like roles i i probably cook more than my wife does mm-hmm. but it's you know she handles the finances better than me yeah. so the actual like the roles of fatherhood versus the the roles of uh, of, of motherhood uh, everything we try and share yeah. you know we really do there's no i'm not the the boss of the house i'm not the king of the castle we may joke about it um <laughs> it's a joke it's all a joke yeah yeah um i joke i tell my wife to submit sometimes well you see that's, but the that's thing. a joke it's, it's like, just it's, a joke but yeah i get it which you know you're you're going into territory that that only you and i understand the yeah. butt of that joke uh-huh. only people that are, had grown up the way we have grown up yeah candace would pop me in the lips like uh-huh. she'd be like submit to this bitch yeah carly would be know. like fuck you yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's. But to you and I, like we understand that joke. I know where you where you got that joke from. Yeah, I know. And, and I know where that's coming from. And it's, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just we, we have responsibility. Yeah. And but when I mean like role, it's it's not like who's the cook, who's the right, thing. Right. But it's like you know, for me, like for example, like with teaching, I think my role as a teacher is a facilitator, mm-hmm. a facilitator of a and a and sort of I'll a go guide. back to the word nurture man yeah a guide right. to we've got to nurture yeah, yeah we've we got do. to nurture mm-hmm. our sons we've got to nurture our daughters mm-hmm. it's important you know and in any any single moms out there i you know it to find 
another you know a good man that can that can be an influence on your sons and be an influence on your daughters whether it's their grandfather or whatever you know i, I we miss the boat on a lot and mm-hmm. and nurture nurturing our children mm-hmm. bringing them up and showing them um you know i, I don't know what my daughter's sexual orientation may be mm-hmm. uh one day but if she falls in love with a man, I hope that that man um, is a lot like me. Yeah. You know, and and I only say that because my game plan is to show my daughter how a good man should be, mm-hmm. a balanced man. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I really like that term and, and you know, a lot of the descriptions of, of talking about masculinity and stuff like that. Um, I think that we have to raise boys that are comfortable with who they are. Yeah. You know, to be masculine is not to, I'm not a masculine dude. I'm, I'm uh, probably a little effeminate. Candace has said I'm like 25% gay and that's fine. (laughs) You know, but, but I, even if, again, back to my kids, if my son uh, finds that that is his path, uh, that's who he is as a person, you know, he's still man. Mm-hmm. And he still will have a responsibility as a man to be in a world and one day maybe have kids. He, he will still have a responsibility as a man. Mm-hmm. And he will still need to know what's right, what's wrong, mm-hmm. what's important. And he will always need to know that his mind is his own. Yeah. And it's not to be taken hostage by any religion, by any person. By any any entity, government, whatever, except for punk rock, you can listen to some punk songs, okay, kid? <laughs> but that's really cool. I I love that you're saying nurturing and and you know to nurture the young men, and uh, you know as boys growing up, you're told to sit down, shut up, and whatever you're feeling is wrong, and your emotions need to be locked away. And I think. Mm-hmm. And then when you lose your mind and do something horrible, it's, oh, well, boys will be boys. Such fucking bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Such bullshit. And it's like we we go screw it up because of our lack of guidance on how to handle a female Mm -hmm. and how to be with a female and how to treat a female. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like no wonder we're looking at at boys who who they just rape. They don't care. They well, it's have no they're taught, respect whatsoever. They're taught that the woman is is almost property, right? In some sense, a woman is something to be taken. A woman is something to be, mm-hmm. you know, they want what you have, which is the the such a terrible place to to have your mind thinking that on another person. Yeah. But nobody talks. To, nobody talks. Nobody yeah. nurtures, or yeah. they little or no. Or, well, it's, I mean, I'm I've started talking about sex with my kid with the band like as soon as it was like internet told me was appropriate i didn't have that talk <laughs> well when i was a kid those were things to, yeah. we spoke of. well that's true it was preached it was the youth yeah. pastor took yeah, care the of it pre- so parents mm-hmm. didn't have to and they did a horrible job oh my god horrible job a horrible job the youth pastors the youth pastor yeah, has man. no business telling your kids what up with sex yeah no business. <laughs> that is your job, Dad. That is your job, Mom. That is your job. Well, it's yeah, 
you know, my dad, I, my dad talked to me about sex after watching Fried Green Tomatoes hmm. because of something. I can't remember what it was, but I asked him a question after we got out of the movie theater. And then two and a half hours later, I was regretting ever asking him that question because he went real deep and like sent me everything. Well, that, I mean, but, good on him, though. Yeah, he, at, at least, least he, he tried. He dove in and uh, he yeah. tried, yeah. He was hands-on. And a lot of dads, I think a lot of men, were, we, you get very hands-off. Mm-hmm. You know, the woman is the emotion. The man takes care of things, mm-hmm. and I think. See, my my problem with my son is I love lectures. I'm real good at giving lectures. My problem, what I, what's hard for me is saying sorry. Yeah. And and that's something I'm personally working on now. You know, I'm got a teenage son. He's 13. You know, it's official. Like it's yeah. it's on, it's man. Official. And. And like I, I have a hard time saying sorry. I have a hard time, you know, taking away that you gotta buck up. And sometimes you do. Sometimes yeah. you gotta tell your son, you know, your kid to buck up. You got yeah. to because sometimes you gotta buck up. Yeah. You know, but it's it's you know a struggle trying to keep yourself from being this dad that that uh that can't say sorry mm-hmm. like I, I need to be able to say that and i want to be that you know i want to be that dad cool you know, not just lectures yeah know, compassion i think you can be that dad. i think so too yeah um we've kind of inadvertently handled a lot of the questions without even like asking them so mm-hmm. i'm pretty pretty pumped at the direction this has taken yeah i'm okay i had no idea about your christian background i'm really glad oh, we really? got to dive okay. into that awesome that's cool um <laughs> We could we could have a whole separate podcast where oh, we talk man. about because I I could go into I used to work for a Christian coffee shop and traveled uh, America going to Christian music festivals but we don't have time for that Wow Yeah uh, Cornerstone uh, No we no? didn't go to Cornerstone okay. I went to Creation Fest East and West I went okay. to Sunshine Fest S O N not S U N Okay And I went to Life Fest Okay Hawking, uh, Okay What was the first one uh, Creation Fest. Creation Fest, Creation Fest I've, I've had a hundred thousand people there. Yeah, that one I know. But uh, I, I only Cornerstone was always like when I was a kid. That Cornerstone was, had the cool punk rock bands. Exactly. You know, the the stuff you were making fun of. No, see, so. <laughs> well, now we're gonna have to dive into it. A I little. know, man. It's uh, uh, you'll have to edit this part out. No, nah, we're fine with it. It's <laughs> it's all stream of consciousness. It's cool. I um, but uh, cause cause music was a big part of my life, mm-hmm. and then I go to these Christian music fests, and I find that. Some of these musicians had their honesty and they were real. Right. For example, like at these music fests, one of the the headliners all of the time was Switchfoot. Oh yeah. yeah. And I've, I've met Switchfoot. Um, our the company that I worked for did some marketing with Switchfoot. One of the guys from Fold Zandura plays. May may Folds. still yeah. It was a, another Christian kind of shoegazy yeah. indie rock band that came out of that scene with Starflyer and all of them, but I, I think he, he may still be in Switchfoot. Who knows? If he's smart, he is, because they're, they're making I lots think of they're money. doing pretty good. But they're, those guys are real. Those guys are honest. They would come to yeah. our coffee booth and hang out back, you know, hang out there, and they would let us, you know, yeah, hang out and stuff, um, talk with us. But I kind of trusted what they were saying. Uh, also, Anne Berlin. Yeah, I know. Anne Berlin yeah. is some of the dopest music dope people i remember i was at this this one uh music one of the music fests in minnesota and you know every mc for these music festivals Mm -hmm. is a youth pastor yeah and so this one guy he i don't remember exactly what he was talking about but anyway he's talking about how you know britney spears Justin bieber 
you know, are terrible people. Right. And if you listen to them, then you're going to, you know, end up, right. you know, getting into butt sex and stuff like that. <sighs> and you're going to be doing drugs Not on butt bathrooms. Sex again. But, uh, so I remember being like, this guy sucks. And then Anne Berlin comes on. And the first thing he says is, he goes, so I would listen to this guy talk before us. And it's kind of crazy because we just got off this tour with Slipknot over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Or it was Slipknot. It was some heavy, I think it was Slipknot. Yeah, it could very But well anyway, been. he goes, you know, and you guys probably wouldn't go to that stuff. But I just really feel like, guys, we need to do a lot less judging and a lot more loving and respecting. Right. And I immediately left the booth and went and bought an Anne Berlin t-shirt. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. These guys, way. yeah. So yeah, way. Anne Berlin's that's, dope. That's a good way to show your your, uh, uh, your support. Yeah. They need that. I know. Project 86 is a good band. Yeah. Uh, Flatfoot 56, which is like a Celtic punk band. I don't remember uh, them. If you like Dropkick Murphys or if you like Okay. Then you're yeah. not going to like them. Okay. But anyway. Well, there you go. So, but music. So you're in a band. I am. You're I in am. a band called Arms Bazaar. Arms Bazaar. I've seen you guys play handful of times okay what kind of like what would you say the music is what kind um, of music is it i i don't i don't know what i just i i the influences there's so many influences so it's really hard i always tell people we're kind of a nirvana-esque mm-hmm. you know a little bit of shoegaze vibe a little bit of gr- i call it garage grunge or, mm-hmm. or i could see that late yeah uh, garage gaze at and it's primarily because we're still in a garage and yeah. we kind of take pride in it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's fuzzy, lots of reverbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to, we want to have a bit of a, a psychedelic vibe to it um, musically. And, you know, there's a lot going in lyrically and a lot of thought. Uh, sometimes there's no thought, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just the words work and, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool play with um buddy jared um mm-hmm. uh, who you know yeah um my buddy mike and my buddy sean mm-hmm. it's evolved it did not start with those three people in the band at all so when i saw you there was a girl playing that the was bass. my sister yeah, that's your yeah. sister uh okay. she played guitar oh okay. she played guitar yeah that not was bad. that was rebecca my sister yeah mm-hmm. um of course the the oddly enough the band is a band of all dads now cool so that's kind of neat too and have you always been musical uh, outside of the same as you growing uh-huh. up in a family now we were contemporary christian music we didn't there was nothing we didn't go to movies and stuff like that or or listen to outside music as much um but it was just listening to petra phil Kagi, and mm-hmm. keith green and like we grew up uh, with music in our house and thankfully um some of those christian artists were actually like legit making wonderful music so that's how i i got into music um always loved it you know Mm -hmm. church was you know obviously there was music at church um school saying some quartets and stuff like that so it wasn't until that uh fateful night of seeing starfire 59 where i actually it changed my life and like Mm -hmm. i really wanted to get into making that kind of music yeah it was like i was just blown away of course, later on, discovering MXPX. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah, MXPX. Oh, yeah, of course, they're MXPX great. led to Lagwagon and yep. No Effects mm-hmm. and, and all of that kind of uh, late, late, mid to late early 90s into the mm-hmm. early 2000s punk rock, pop punk. Yeah. Um, you 
Yeah, so uh, this band's been around since 2012. I had done other bands earlier. Um, one with Jared, actually. Yeah. We had done a band called um, Anku. Um, what was that? It was Bleed the Sun at one point and then changed to Anku. Um, um, Salute Urbane. Band called Typecast that I was in. Um, of course, that band changed its name to Richmond Reminds Me. But mm-hmm. I mean, like we played like when Kogan's was doing shows. Yeah. Like we were in there doing shows. Cool. And, yeah. So there's there's a little little bit of background there, mm-hmm. you know. Especially like the people that I play with now, the guys that are in this band now. I mean, it's just years and years. Of, Sean was in New Hampshire State Motto. For real, with yeah. Matt Stites and Andy yeah. Stites? Yeah, yeah. So, cool. Like, that's that's a huge, huge. I love that band yeah. name because yeah. it's not. It's, it's just it's just, yeah. it's just the premise. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike is was in. Um, what you call? Oh my God, I'm brain farting here. You may have to edit a lot of this out. Um, Mike, God Almighty, Mike Reagan. I am so sorry. I'm embarrassed. Uh, he was in the Kill Circuit, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember the old band that we actually played shows with um god i'm totally sorry mike but we had it's okay um, it's we had okay. played shows back and forth um just they would book a show we would book a show mm-hmm. ask each other to play um and we would um kind of share share bills uh, turn each other on to other other musicians and stuff so i've known mike for years never thought i'd be playing in a band with him mm-hmm. um he's a portsmouth kid and you know shoot I'm out, when mike joined this band i hadn't talked to mike probably since the last time we were standing in kogan's or the tap house at okay. playing a show cool. you know so for him to be have interest in this band was just like yeah like come on let's sweet let's play so yeah it's um it's rolling. It's doing good. We like it. Yeah. Do you? Does uh, your son like your band? Um, that, that's a good question. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that my son likes my band. Yeah. Um, I, but I wouldn't say. But again, you got to remember, like, like these kids. This is all band. Band's been listening to these songs over and over and over and over from us practicing. We practice at my house. Yeah. You know, like my daughter, when she was born, our biggest fear was, oh, no, we're going to have to find somewhere else to practice. Wrong. Just kept Because Candace played in the band while she was while she was in utero. So she took her nap just fine every Sunday during band practice. She would go to sleep faster on Sundays because she was upstairs. We were down in the garage. It probably sounded just like it did while candace was on stage playing with orange bizarre at that time man yeah so like you know power of music these kids have no power. choice yeah, they have no choice they have no choice <laughs> they're gonna hear the noise um so you're, you're pretty creative you're pretty musical how important is that for you like with your kids to be musical and creative it's important i mean yeah. I, I do i do believe that like van van loves music and you know it may not be everything the direction that i want him to go he's playing trumpet at school nice. um he can sing you know um van's really into like pc gaming and, and ps4 and, and things like that but he does listen to music and he does play music and i'm i again it's like i'm gonna show him what music is about but i i just i'm not gonna force anything mm-hmm. so even with sports like 
van if he's just not into it anymore i'm not i don't care yeah like i i love basketball like, that's my favorite sport it is, is it's a great sport I'm a carolina Tar Heel fan and and the nba level i just i'll watch it it doesn't matter to me obviously i was a michael jordan fan when i was a kid so yeah you know but um kids have no idea but, who jordan is nowadays well and that's sad that, it is sad that is sad but anyway but it's still it's becoming the biggest sport and it is you know, even it's surpassing, uh, it's surpassed baseball, and it's it, NFL is huge too. But I mean, it's NBA basketball, college basketball. It's still it's big, and mm-hmm. you know, um, they're gonna they'll, they'll they'll eventually know. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on how how much they dive deep into it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but you don't want to. So, but you don't want to like push anything on them. You just no, hope that they, I don't. Good. I, I mean, we play records. You know, Van, Van, we, we make sure his Spotify account is paid for and and exposure to music. I mean, we have a bunch of friends that are musicians. And, you know, most of the time when people are around, like friends and family are, are over, we're playing records, we're playing music. I mean, I'm still playing tapes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still, you know, I go from Spotify to a vinyl record. It's like I'm, mm-hmm. music is very much a part of our lives. Candace is the same way. She loves music. She mm-hmm. She sings. She's got a beautiful voice. She's actually been playing guitar a lot and writing. And it's great because I get to see her, like, she's a good writer. Mm -hmm. So, like, seeing her start writing lyrics has been really neat. It's been cool to see her uh, doing that. She puts me to shame, like, if if it came down to, like, comparison of lyrics. I think so. I just think she has a good way with words. Nice. You know. Yeah. Kind of writing dumb nursery rhymes sometimes, I feel (laughs) like. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Um, man, this 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 podcast interview's gone lots of twists and turns. I love how it works out this way. It never yeah. it never goes linear. It's always I, th- I mean that's a good thing. That's but a good the, thing. The very last we're thing having we're, fun. We are having fun. Uh, the very last thing I think I want to ask you is so just the idea of what does fatherhood mean to you? Which um, is a heavy, heavy. It is, and it's it was one of those. If, if I look back at my notes, I don't think I was really in, able to kind of the only thing that I could really go to, and this is the, 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 the surface, mm-hmm. um, is that nurturing thing. Yeah, I, I really do think that it's important to me as a father to nurture my kids, mm-hmm. to be there for them emotionally, to be there for them um, at a capacity they feel safe and they mm-hmm. feel that they can say things to me. Um, obviously this is, this is a conversation. This is mm-hmm. not, uh, I, I want to knock my kids teeth out just as much as everybody else of does course. when they're smart with me. Yeah. Don't do it. But you know, yeah. my teeth would have been gone, but <laughs> that's just what I say. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I think fatherhood is something that, it's, it's still evolving for me um, because, I, again, I, I do think that I, I kind of – I was lost in, you know, the first six years of Van's life. I was kind of lost in depression and lost in uh, um, grief. Um, and I kind of was behind the ball a little bit on what was important. Mm-hmm. I do believe that it's it's absolutely for me. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love being a dad. 
Um, I love the idea of raising these two creatures mm-hmm. and um, helping shape them and help shape the future. Again, I, I know it's like what the crap the crapshoot. You know, what are what are the chances that my son's going to change the world? What are the chances that my daughter's going to change the world? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. But if that time comes, and if that opportunity comes in their lives, and if that path is the path that they take, I want them to be able to say, I get it from my mom, I get it from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I just want to raise good kids, man, good people. And, and that's, that's what fatherhood means to me, you know. Boom. And I, th- I think you will. I do. I think you will. I think you will. Yeah. Um, and I think you guys will too. Thanks. You know, Roy, we've we've known each other for a, what, a couple years. Yeah. You know, nothing. Uh-huh. We've had some good conversations yeah. over cups of coffee and stuff. But yeah, my my impressions I, of you and Carly. I've known Carly a little bit again, off and on throughout the years because she knows so many people that I know. Oh yeah. Because of they all went to the same school together and yeah. stuff. She probably would know all the bands that you're from. Yeah, you're too. probably right. Um, that's definitely for sure, because that's kind of where I know Carly yeah. from, is just from shows and yeah. stuff Dragon like that. Dragonsaur. Most definitely Dragonsaur. Any, anything Robbie Alsh played, mm-hmm. um, anything that uh, Wes and, mm-hmm. and all those guys played in, a lot of Cox kids, yeah. Cox mm-hmm. High School kids. Um, and I think y'all are going to do good too, man. I, I, I really that. do. It's, it's nice to see. I always say that, I, and, I, and I say that, because I feel like the friends that I have, the people that are left in my life are, are, are good people. That's cool. why they're still there. And um, you're, you're in there nice. with, with those people. You know, Jared and, and Robbie and, and people like that. Like those are, those are people that I like seeing have kids. Yeah. And, and y'all are going to do the same thing. Y'all We're going to do our <laughs> damn best. That's yeah, all we that's can. for sure. And I think, thank you for saying that, but I think it would be really cool we should come on and do questions for each other about Christianity in our lives. That would be I'll do it sometime. Hilarious yeah. If you, if and you will awesome. have me back. Yeah. We'll um, have to come with questions for little, each yeah, other. Yeah, I'll do yeah. a little more little more boom, show boom, prep boom. side yeah. here. Yeah. That'd be great. Actually, that would be amazing. I know. We're going to we'll, do it. But now. we'll network on that later. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, that is that's at least yeah. two episodes. It is. So. But uh thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much for Thanks doing for this. Me. Um Yeah, check out Arms Bazaar. They're a great band. And Josh, you're a rad dad. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, you can check me out on Spotify and now iTunes. But uh, you guys go forth and be awesome.